podcast world. This is Caribbean Power Lunch, where we feature Black-owned businesses. I am your host, Kevin Valley, and today I'm joined again by Mr. Osei Wright Alexis. Hey, Kevin, what's up? Hi, good, man. Good to have you again. Three weeks in a row. Three we weeks in a row, boy. Room tonight, Yo, it's a hat trick. Can we celebrate with what? Some what, Colombian? Some Colombian. Colombian rum, boy. Excellent, excellent, excellent. <laughs> good stuff, man. Shout out to Damien. <laughs> but um, our guest here tonight, Decide she don't want to drink any rum. This is the first time we'll say somebody has come to the cabin studios and decided they are not drinking any rum for their interview. I have a very long drive back home. Miss Candice Leela Rollingson. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Good to have you. Producer, filmmaker, social innovator. I guess. I like that. Social innovator. So how does that work? What's a social innovator? A social innovator is someone who looks at all the social challenges that, that the world is experiencing and find innovative ways of taking care of those challenges, of solving those challenges. Did it start in 2008 when you started the Walker Leela Foundation? Yeah, actually, that was when I really started this whole social innovation approach. I was doing research for a film called Positive and Pregnant at that time. And the journey that that film took me on is what really led me to the whole social innovators path. So let's backtrack a bit. So what inspired you to start doing that film? I looked at that film the other night and it is only 24 minutes long, but I'm watching it's like, whoo, it's like a emotional roller coaster. I was saying, you saw it? No, not yet. It was, like, it was like an hour and a half movie, well, hour and a half long movie because I'm watching it. There's so many things happening in that, yeah, yeah. And that thing. Is, it was really captivating. It's really well done. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, what started that? What, what um, um, in that? Actually, 1996, the first project that I worked on with Little Fire Pictures. This is when I... 1996? 1996. Yo, I was a teenager at that point. At that time, I was working with Little Fire Pictures. That's Cook Pereira and Timmy Mora. They were doing a project called A Measure of Hope. So this is my first summer gig in film production. Loving it. But I always remembered going to interview people who were HIV positive and their families and the support that they were getting. At that point, they were doing the HIV vaccine trials and it was really, really touching. So I think that was the trigger that inspired me to create this film later on, even though I went on to do so many things between my teenage years to when I did Positive and Pregnant. You know, I think that was the real trigger. Okay. So... Just before we started recording, you gave me a full lesson in setting up a video camera because I had a video camera in the cabin studios here for almost a year now and I just didn't know how to use it, right? And you just showed me how to use it and stuff. So how did you learn about video production and everything? Like, what is your training and background like? My training, it, it happened on, on the fly rally, yeah? As I go along with Little Fire Pictures, I stayed with them from 1996 till 1999 or so. And at that point, you kind of had to learn everything. So you just jumped in the industry. You didn't have you didn't have any prior training or anything like that. No, well, the, the training happened then. That was the training. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a summer job. You paid were paid like an intern, so you had to really do everything. So you 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 were the runner from the runner to to feeling like you were the showrunner, really. Hmm. You know, because it was a really relaxed environment. You got a chance to really explore. So today you could be working the camera, tomorrow you're on interviews, the next day you're on time coding. So we got to, to experience all aspects of production. So that is where I got my initial training. 
And was that your first job as a you know a young person coming up? Was that your first real work experience? Mm, I had other summer jobs as well. I had another at um, doing beauty at Haircuts Plus in Arima. That was my okay. first real summer right. job. And then the second one was at Little Fire Pictures. Okay. So it, it kind of inspired both my businesses. My first business was a fashion business doing makeup, beauty, styling. So that came out of, of that experience, you know, doing beauty. But mommy didn't want us to just do beauty and, right. and you know, and just... You know, some shallow things. She wanted us to but have. She saw the beauty depth. industry as shallow. Not really shallow, but she thought that you know we were too bright to just focus on beauty and and just get consumed in that world, and you have a whole brain to explore. But were you already making money doing that? Yeah, I was. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting too. I mean, a lot of people when you ask about the first job you had, you know, if it's still in secondary school, let's say, or even early secondary school, they may say, "Well, I was like a." A rapper in Hilo, or maybe uh, you know, I was uh, collecting bags at some bookstore yeah. or something like that, right? And then, if it's university or college level, it'd be okay. I got a gig in a bank or, or a little credit union or something like that, where you know it's traditional stuff. So, in my twenties, I got a gig at the credit union. No, no. But look at that. Yeah. So, but it's curious as a, as you know, a non-creative, although I am creative, but a non-creative <laughs> by 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 whatever. How does one decide or get, you know, decide, okay, I'm going to, like, if I, if I had an opportunity to go and work on a film or, or in a production studio when I was back in school, I'd be like, mm, I don't know, I prefer to go maybe do something more traditional that, you know, so maybe it's just my experience yeah. as an individual, but how do you decide or get the okay from your parents even to say, let's go work on a film company? I don't know. My mother was the one who really initiated it, eh? Because she found that, hey, you're just going to just sit down and do beauty and do hair and makeup all day. Go and use your mind, you know. I, I'm getting you a job with Uncle Cortez, we used to call Cook. Go and get that summer job and I want you to go and learn film and explore that. After one summer on Little Fire, with Little Fire Pictures, well, August holidays, really. After that, every year we wanted to go back. Yeah. So every time we had a chance, we would do Easter the August holidays, Christmas, every time we had a project. The biggest project that we would do annually was the Trinidad Marathon. Yo, what, what, cover the filming yes, of it? Yes, cover the filming of it. So you literally had to run the marathon like three times <laughs> to, to get the footage. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was real, real long time so, so ago. So your parents or your family have a creative background? Yes. That maybe they went to that kind of, that, that, yeah, that area. I think my mother always knew what we liked and what we would excel in. Ah, okay. Gotcha. And she kind of steered us on that part. When I say us, I'm talking about my sister too. She's in, in film and theater art and my brother, he's in television and mm -hmm. IT. So it's, it's a whole family that... So you guys collaborate? Yes. My sister Stacy, she was the director on Positive and Pregnant. And Shane, Leela, my brother, he's now a director in my current company, Rollywood TV. Right, right. But his full-time gig is, is a, is it an IT? Yeah, he's an IT specialist at the judiciary here. Okay. So positive and pregnant. Tell me about making that film, man. Tell me about that it. That was so emotional, you know, to get it to screen, to get it to completion. You know, we had a training session with all the actors, all our, our crew. We had a lady, Nisha Holzman. She's a, a, a sexual health educator. She came in, did a whole workshop with us to enlighten everybody on the crew about HIV, how it's transmitted, all the different things that we needed to know 
so that when people ask you a question, you'd be able to answer and not just, hey, yes, I was in a film about HIV, but you don't know really the facts. So she helped us with the facts and that got people so inspired on the crew that even though we've all moved on and gone on to other projects when it's now time to do positive and still hear the male perspective, they're all happy to come on board. But how is it sourcing that acting talent? Because you know people always say that the local talent pool is so is so narrow, it's so hard mm, to find. You beg to differ. You beg to differ? Yeah. Our beg local differ. talent is diverse. They're dynamic. They know what they want and they are going to get it. You know, it's, it's about creating the platforms now to get our voice out there. The talent is already there, I believe. The whole social angle, the social impact angle, right? From a marketability perspective, I feel like somebody getting into film, especially in a country like Trinidad, where we have, we have a little rockers culture, you know, yeah. like we're attracted to rockersness. Why social, why that focus on social as opposed to maybe something that might be, you know, and I understand, you know, I understand why, you know, why social, but why social from a business perspective or from an inception? Why was that? I feel like all your projects had a, a social yeah. stance since then as well, right? And I feel like the uphill battle will be a little, a little more. Most, of, most of the projects initially were social oriented because they were all kind of passion projects until I started with Rollywood TV and that's when it got all about business. Mm. You know, but I have a non-profit organization, the Walker Layla Foundation that I established with my siblings and a lot of family members and friends as well. And that is the medium that we use to do our social work. Right. I even studied social work and public health. So the background is there for that social aspect of taking that trajectory to see. But when I started Rollywood TV, I had to really now look at the business model to create it for profit right. and not get the social projects mixed up with the projects for, for money. You know, because we do a lot of advertising work, marketing. So for regular companies who want their marketing done, we handle the full marketing from their jingles to television ads, uh, the whole nine yards. So the approach is what? Is it more of a social media approach or is it more like a... Uh, idea, conceptualization, approach, what? Multimedia and um, film, television, radio. So it encompasses all aspects of marketing and advertising. What was that transition like? I mean, so, you know, maybe give us a little chronological order. I like, I like, I like order I, and understanding. So maybe yeah. after, after, you know, after your, your first gig with the production company, how did you end up? Was it really like right. to, to get to well, the point of Let's of, see, of 1996, I was a teenager at that point, having fun with Little Fire Pictures, doing all the running for Clico um, Marathon, Trinidad and Tobago Marathon at that time. Right. That was real fun, you know. Then... Going into my twenties, I think my first, my first well, real job. Those were summer jobs. You're still going to school. Yeah. My first real job was at Direct One. Yeah, doing telemarketing. Right. Yeah, after that, I did really well on the campaign. How and long I were was, you at Direct One for? Maybe I, about a year and a half. And then for about a couple of months, I went to St. Vincent and the Grenadines doing quality assurance in telemarketing. Oh. That I think really helped me become more conscious and aware of myself as an individual and kind of put me on the path to my purpose. So let's draw a little nexus here. So 
from doing telemarketing to doing what you did in St. Vincent. Yeah, what, it, it was the same thing. It was telemarketing. It was telemarketing. Yeah, but the quality assurance. Now, I'm training people to do telemarketing at this point okay. and making sure that they stay verbatim with the clients on the phone. They didn't cuss up anybody on the phone, that they're staying on script and that they're turning over the amount of sales that they have quoted. So after a year and a half, yeah. you were called upon to go and train people. That means you were a natural, a natural kind of adapt- I, I loved it. And I think you know, just having that zeal, you know, your first job kind of syndrome where everybody, send candles. Because more or less a lot of people had experience uh, and they wanted me to get the experience too. So at that point, having you know, meet the bar of what the requirements were and they, they're just wanting to push you, hey, go do it. So I got that opportunity and that is where I think I really became enlightened about what I wanted to do. When I came back home, there was just so many different challenges at that point. My mother had passed away really suddenly. She had a stroke. And then that is what inspired me to create the Wakalila Foundation because my mother was a stalwart in our village of Karapu, just off of Arima. So I wanted to do something to have her memory live on because everybody in our village knew of her up to today, you know, and what she did. So we wanted to continue with that work. And that's how the Wakalila Foundation came aboard, came, came up. Meanwhile, I'm working at Eastern Credit Union. Doing what? I started off at the call center as well because of my telemarketing experience. And then when I, I started my own family, I then moved to Arima Branch and Memory Relations. Tunapuna branch in, in memory relations as well. So from telemarketing department at the credit union to memory relations officer. So I stayed five years there, five to six years. That's when you went off to do a CSW in social work? That was after. Uh, while I was at Eastern Credit Union, I started off fashionista. Well, fashionista, we were doing that all the time. So is this the beauty and makeup thing that your mom told you, told you not to do? Yeah, forget that. Nah, she tried to talk me out of it. So mommy, go on. So I, liked, I liked modeling. I liked Miss Trinidad and Tobago competition. I tried out for that a couple of times. I, you know, So I wanted to stay in that fashion and beauty world. So I started Fashionista now. And I was working with a music impresario, Christian Cabaza. A music what? Impresario. What's an impresario? Somebody who just the, the deal maker. The person who makes things happen in the music world. Mm, wow. So he was right here based in Trinidad. It's like a record label he's doing. So he's here's what. Candice, I need you to handle the beauty department, photo shoots, publicity, marketing. Help me with that. I'm like, yeah, no problem. He's like, I need you to start your own brand to get that mm-hmm. going and whatnot. Yes, I see your, what you're doing already. Brand it. I'm like, okay, I already have the brand and I know what to do. So I I started Fashionista at that point and I'm working at the credit union. I have two small children and I'm loving my life. You know, things are coming together at this point and and the serendipity is happening slowly, but I'm not realizing fully at that point. eh? And um, later on, after starting up Fashionista, passing that on to my sisters now who were at university and showing them, hey, this is how to do it. Let's 
do this thing. So they continued doing Fashionista while I was now on research, thinking of this documentary that I wanted to do. In fact, at that point, it wasn't really a documentary. I had met Lorna Henry, and when I heard her story... That's the HIV AIDS. Yes, so she was an HIV activist. I met her, and she's telling me her story about her children who were born free of HIV. That was mind-boggling to me. But I had known someone in the past who had died, and their, their child was normal to me so i'm like that is possible but is it medication or is it a percentage so i was very confused so i started to do the research meanwhile i'm still dabbling my makeup and and dressing people and working with my sisters and doing all that good stuff and being a mom that was a lot of fun and still having my day job at the credit union uh later on my sister, Stacy, she's doing her first documentary, her first independent piece on Rapso music. It's called Rapso, Power of the Word. Okay. So she's doing this lovely documentary and the premiere was at Strand, hmm. you know, that old cinema, Strand. So I'm telling Stacy, Stacy, you know, I want to um, do this documentary. I met this HIV positive woman and I want to do a documentary on mother to child transmission. She's like, that topic real heavy, you know. We'll have to get some funding for that. I don't know where, you know, we could check social development or one of the embassies, you know, but keep an eye out. Something will turn up. But no, we need funding to do this because it's going to take a lot. I said, okay. Two weeks later, I'm looking through the newspaper, saw the U.S. Embassy call for, um, for, invitation expressions of interest or something like that right. for projects on HIV hmm. topics. I'm like, that is it. Yeah. I declared it in that moment and Stacey and I applied. We got the funding three years later. Oh, I, I thought you were going to tell me three weeks later because, uh, nah, that's already not true. It, uh, yeah, it, B- Bush is who we applied to and Obama signed our check. Yeah, that's uh, to tell you. It took three years. But every... Three months, I would call the U.S. Embassy, Public Affairs Department, and say, here's what I had applied for a grant to do this documentary. Is it coming through? Am I going to get it? They're like, well, maybe, maybe so. Keep on calling. Was it a lot of money you guys were asking? No, it was a small grant. It was pretty small. You know, but um, I, I didn't think of any other resource that I could really apply to. So I was just pressing on them. Do you feel that is what actually kind of... Your persistence or was it just the process was just three years? Persistence. Yeah. The persistence. Because if I had given up along the way, nothing would have come out of it. Oh, you don't think it would, it would just come yeah. to you eventually? Eventually, maybe, maybe. But the fact that I was calling and showing that interest hmm. is what made them pay yeah, attention. Way, yeah. They were like, oh, look at this Leela call back again earlier. Tell us I'm something. I'm sure it was an accent. Though. That's something like a little, little trainee-ish. Side note. Go ahead. The locals. Yeah, the locals at the public affairs department. Yeah. They were all um, local, really. But I really enjoyed the process of getting to that point after the grant came through in 2010 i wrote my resignation to leave eastern credit union Wait, you get a little grant to do a film and you and you you fired work well they didn't want to give me a no pay leave or leave with pay so at this point i need six months off and i spoke with my husband then and he's like girl you'll have to leave i'm like okay i <laughs> <laughs> didn't have to think twice you know and um yeah, I just said, I'm going to do this. And we did it. We made the, the small grant look like a big one and got positive and pregnant done. Then 
when this the the US embassy no, no, saw no, 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 don't gloss over that no tell me about actually making the film making the film the oh my board, gosh yeah. well the, the, the first camera. thing the first thing was convincing the videographers so we worked with the, these guys were force fed productions at that time um um fluke Lane, Kendall Lane, and Jerome Salandi, the trio of, of Forsved. So we convinced them to help us with the videography. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it. Nyron Rawlingson, my brother-in-law, he wrote the script. It was just going to be a hardcore documentary where, you know, kind of boring. You might lose people. That was the risk. But then they're like, here's what. We'll have to turn this into a docudrama because the demographic that we're looking at is between 14 to 24 years old. So in order to really capture them, this has to be under 25 minutes and it has to be a docudrama. See, that's interesting right there. So you, you did your targeting to know exactly how you're going to tailor your content to meet your audience. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do it in the innovation process. It's necessary if you really want to capture your audience and make something impactful. We know that they want drama and this is why it was so high intensity with the drama. You know, that's how we get them to lock in, you know. And the acting too, Janine Lee Kim, Dwayne Dario, Dixon, Pauline Mark, Lila Passad. Was there a big casting process? Or? Yes, we had a lovely casting process. We held the casting at Livet Wellness in Barataria. Oh, okay, okay. Yuchana Hackett hosted us yeah. and we invited the public. We canvassed on social media and over 100 people came to the casting call. Wow. So, so many actors. So many. There were actors, professional, the entire necessary arts came. All the persons registered with necessary arts came through. And even people who had no formal experience with acting or theater or film came to just give us their support. So that was the first the first part of the process that was just so well received that we knew that it was going to end well because of how how much people really were interested at that point. So when we narrowed down, we had like a, a full night of deliberation to choose the cast. Yeah, so we waited, we fully laid out all the ones that we really wanted to see. We did some callbacks and by the time we got them to commit, we had that the workshop with Nisha Holzman that I mentioned earlier. And from there, it started rolling. We took five days on set and the film was done. It took about three to six weeks in editing. Serious? Yeah. That sounds short to me, Adam. Yeah. From the moment we got the funding, it took us three months to deliver the finished product. But remember, it took us three years to get the funding. Right, right. So a lot of pre-production happened at that time. So you were ready? Yeah, we were ready. We were really ready. Okay. But you guys won awards after that. Yes. Well, tell me about the impact about it. So one. after we, do, we, we had Positive and Pregnant at, let's see, we finished this by September. Yeah, the, the local film festival had already gone by the time we finished. This is 2011? 12? This is 2010. 10, okay. 2010. So by that time, the film festival, the local film festival was already gone. So we didn't get a chance to apply to that. So we decided that we're going to have our own gala premiere at Napa. Yes. So the Ministry of Social Development 
that was GM moment to really come in and help us because we got the first grant from the U.S. Embassy to produce it. But now it's the marketing aspect. At this point, the Trinidad and Tobago Film Company comes in on the day we premiere and they're like, yes, we're going to support you all the way with the marketing. So did they just happen to come in or you guys brought well, in there? Well, they recognized what we were doing. And they wanted to support us in any way that they could. So they came on board and Ministry of Social Development came on board and they hosted us for the premiere at Napa on World AIDS Day, the 1st of December, 2010. I spent all of Christmas 2010 applying to film festivals. As in the actual December 25th? Yeah, well, Nobody Christmas too small Day. Children and they, no, and well, everybody, uh, this is after uh, the ham, the lamb, the jam and oh, all of that. The ham, the lamb and the jam? Yeah, (laughs) after all that good stuff. Then I started to apply to the film festival. So let's say from Boxing Day, you know, while everybody fetting, I'm there applying to film festivals. And by January, we got invited to the first film festival, Caribbean Tales. So Caribbean Tales was in Barbados. And they now agreed to distribute Positive and Pregnant for us. They got us into libraries all over the world. And got us a lot of exposure in terms of sales to the film. We didn't make an exorbitant amount. But now with a more conscious approach and knowing, you know, the things that we missed the first time around, I think, you know, we might make a little more this time around. So you didn't make much money that time. But what you did, you got your name out there. We got it out there. And then the same, the the money that we would have gotten, like from screening some of the film festivals, stipends, some here and there, everything went back into marketing. So nothing went in, in anybody's pocket. Everything went into marketing because we were loving the outreach program. So after we premiered 2010, 2011, January, by January 11th, we had our first screening at NALIS. The U.S. Embassy again hosted us at NALIS with the That's schools. That's the National Library in China. Yes, the National Library here. So we had uh, a screening there with about five schools from Port of Spain. And then by January, or maybe was it by March? I think by March we were at Caribbean Tales. Then later in the year, we were at the Zanzibar Film Festival Porto Bello Film Festival. So Zanzibar in actual Africa. Uh, it, in Africa. It's not Zanzibar in, no, no, no. in Chagarama. No, no, no. <laughs> this is the Tanzania. Yeah, in, in Tanzania, Africa. So now you're worldwide. Now at this point, and I am speechless hmm. when they announced that the film was going to be screened at the outreach clinics in the Dow region in Tanzania. And I am like, wow, this is a, a massive audience of women who are susceptible to HIV and rape. Like rape is normal. It's like a rape culture there. So having to see a film, you know, and have it shown constantly in this place was just so like a dream come true. How Trini was the film? Was it I completely mean, it Trini? Yeah, completely Trini. Only one film festival, I think, asked us for subtitles, but we would have it on standby. You know, we would submit the subtitles, but it was fully Trini. So Trini could sell then. Could it could be marketed? It it, it can definitely. Yeah. Just from my light experience, I've noticed that the African continent really 
enjoys Caribbean content. Yes, they, really they do. Caribbean Just as much as we enjoy the Nollywood content, they enjoy Caribbean content. Nollywood. Oh, that's that's Africa, good. Nigeria. Um, it's Nollywood. Okay. That's how the the, the Hollywood name came, eh? I thought the Hollywood came from Hollywood. Well, it's Hollywood, Bollywood, Nollywood. And when I realized Hollywood so, wasn't so you taken. Them, so you... When I realized Hollywood wasn't taken. Hey, okay. Yeah, I went with it. And then I, I checked on the domains and I realized Hollywood TV existed. Hollywood film. Hollywood.domains. I'm like, yeah, that's a whole company right there. Okay, so you brought up all the Hollywood domains possible. Most I think you have them. about nine. Um, maybe more. Maybe more. All right, so what's next? What happened? Uh, well, after um, let's see where where am I in the story? Let's recap. In um Zanzibar. Yeah, well, right, Zanzibar. We won the outreach award, and then we after a whole year of touring with Positive and Pregnant, I can't even remember so many festivals, so many outreach programs. We did a, an entire schools tour. Trinidad and Tobago. We went to Southeast Secondary Success Lab until. There was one on South. I went to El Dorado Senior Camp, my alma mater. So, how much of that was outbound? Though? How much of that was you as, or your group reaching out and saying, "Listen, guys, we have this product. We want to, to pitch it to you or have a thing." Or was it, was it that the, the buzz was so great that people were calling some, you? All some to come? were calls, and then when you know the novelty kind of wear out. We would then make the gesture and call schools and say, "Here's what we want to screen the film." But there were a lot of invitations, so. The only one I had to really reach out to that I wanted to go to was my alma mater, El Dorado Senior Comprehensive. But everybody else invited us. Your telemarketing experience, did it play a major role in, in all of this in your marketing approach? Yeah, well, just having to cold call people and convince them to meet with me over the phone was the first instance. So you, you know? had a script and everything as well? Well, at that point, I, the script wasn't written, you know. It was just, just kind of winging it. But yeah. knowing what I wanted to say and... <laughs> You know, just appealing to people who had to help us, you know, to get the, the help, the resources that we needed. Yeah, that's where the telemarketing skills So this was came. done by Rollywood or is this sponsored no, by the foundation? This was by the foundation, by Wakalela Foundation. At that point, Rollywood did not even exist. Rollywood was just an idea that we needed to do a film production company at some point. But we didn't have a name or anything. So after I did Positive and Pregnant now, and I had to now get an audit. After I was audited and they realized that all the funds that they gave us, nothing went to my pocket, that everything went into marketing. They're like, we're going to, we're going to award you with a scholarship to study public health. Okay. And open your mind now to do a study, a longitudinal study, in fact, on the impact of this project. So you're not just going to do this little one-off film and think that is it here. We want you to think bigger. Who's this? This is Dr. Nyla Lyons at, at the U.S. Embassy and Miss Janie Paris. They were the program officers who were encouraging me on how to broaden my perspective and think globally with this project and not just a one-off. So studying public health now and, and social work, I came back home to write the thesis on behavior change, on how the film is able to influence behavior change. Then I get a call from UTT. Yoko Lawrence, I think, called me. Hi, we have a lady here named Andrea Thompson from Leeds University who's looking for content to support her project on how new media can influence behavior change. Right. 
using the media, positive messages in the media to influence people's perspective, how they think, how they operate. So I'm like, lovely. This would be really helping me get my thesis going. So I met with her at UTT. We did the screening, they did the posters and whatnot. So at that point, I really got the inspiration to get it going now and write that thesis on behavior change, do the whole study. So not just writing the thesis, but doing the study extensively. So we did like a pre-test now and a post-test. So the format now for the outreach program to schools, we would give them a form, do the icebreakers and give them a form, pre-testing. What do the icebreakers look like? The icebreakers, just, just lessons, things to get them laughing, things to, you know, warm up. Just very simple lessons that just help them kind of loosen up a little bit. Just like, oh, I try to give you rum. Yeah, that didn't work. Yeah, that didn't work. Yeah, so um, then, so the pre-test now, with the pre-test, we kind of understand where they are with the knowledge, what they know about HIV, sexual health, reproductive health. So, okay, then we screen the film. Then we do a post-test. So the post-test now, you're able to see now where... The information in the film was able to inform things that they w- didn't know prior. So we would know what they didn't know because of the pretest. And then after this look at the film, we understood what they knew now. So we know the film now is making an impact. So after the screening and the post and pretesting and that, we would do like role playing. So we would pull out different skits from the film and they would do their own version. And that is where we really get to see how much impact we are making because now we realize they're really listening. They're actually partaking in this project. So the data started to come together. So after about 20 schools, the data was there. But for the study, I had to just narrow it down. I didn't want to go so broad. So I went to one school, Valencia High School. The dean there then was Kevin Cummings. He invited us to to use their library there and do the, the, the whole study that would inform now the thesis on behavior change. It's, you can find it at Academia EDU. Candice Leela yeah, Rollingson. Show notes. Yes. So you could definitely see that there, that entire study and the summaries there as well. So you do keynote speeches as well, I see that. Well when I when I'm called upon. Okay. This is under Rollywood. And sometimes with fashionista too, like in different topics on beauty, body image, different things I would speak on. So you said that Rollywood the inception of Hollywood was based on a need or realization that you all yes. have to get this kind of business. So we're coming down the road now to Hollywood. Let's, let's go. Yes, let's take the, the marathon to Hollywood. Yeah. So after, right, so I come back home from doing all this studying and traveling. Then I enroll at the Atta Log Shack because so I go didn't. to study again. Yeah. Because I'm like, so you I'm, have about three businesses by my account by now. Yeah, and you and you already have you already have a couple degrees. Yeah, and you're going to study again. I'm going to study, and again. you have two children, right? And two children. Okay. So at this point, um, so after finishing social work, I did just one year of social work, and I just took the certificate because I realized the program that I wanted to do at the Atta Logjack Graduate School of Business had social innovation. There was marketing, the supply chain management, all the different things that I needed to know 
to start this whole production company. Because yes, you know about film, you know how to make the film, you know how to make that happen. But to actually run the business and get things going and bring together the full business model, I had to go back to the drawing board. So camping out at the Outer Log Jack to help me build the business model was necessary at that time. So I killed two birds and got a master's degree. I'm hoping to graduate at some point because in 2016, I finished that program, but I wanted to actually launch a business and then show that I'm able to make a profit. So after December 2016, I launched Rollywood formally. And since then, yeah, I'm able to say, yeah, the profit is there and it's a feasible and lucrative business that we should get into and do more of. And the study now, it's, it's there to show. I have the thesis on that too. That will be published very soon. Well, congratulations on your success thus far. Thank you. So, but who's helping you though? Because I hate to think that you're doing all of this. The most high Jesus himself. <laughs> So you don't have a team. I have a team. I have a team. I have a lot of help, mostly from family members and close friends. And now I'm attracting more professional people from outside of the family. So that's refreshing, you know, to see that, hey, we, we actually have real staff, you know, not just our core family who we've been working with ever since, you know, they've become our family, but people who are now seeing what we're doing and able to now add to our expertise and take us above and beyond our, our expectations. So these would be full-time people or these no, are like these advisors? Are advisors, freelance people who come on, Yeah. In what aspects? Well, the web development, for sure. Getting those things going. We have some talent there. Then just actually the management of the business, getting the funding, the resources for Wakalina right. so Foundation. Like a CFO kind of person there, you have a finance person. I have a, a, an accountant there and um, a, a general administrator who helps me just make sure I have all my annual returns, accounts, uh, audit, all these things happening. Yeah. What's the vision for the business? What's what's the mission and vision for Rollywood right now? For Rollywood, Rollywood is really going to, how do I sum this up in a nutshell? For Rollywood, we started off in just location management for film because I saw that it was necessary to have this facility for foreign filmmakers who are interested in coming here. But then we had some challenges now with our rebate and well, that kind of, you know, yeah, had the rebate takes some time. wondering, well, maybe we should look at another location where the rebate would, would be smoother sailing. But everywhere you go, there are challenges with the rebate, you know, everywhere in around the world. Also around the world, all the countries they give you rebates. Not you, all countries, but a lot there. of a lot of countries give you rebates to okay. film in on, on location. So it's about finding the right location and getting a good rebate and, and getting it going. So filmmakers now actually study rebates and yeah. locations. Because I know here in Trinidad and Tobago it goes anywhere from uh, was it thirty percent up to fifty five percent? Yeah. Once you have all your production staff and everybody in Trinidad. Yes, but now the rebate I think they're restructuring it a little bit. So I'm excited to see what they do with that. But but Rollywood now, so that's where it's it started off because after positive and pregnant coming back home from the studies and all of that, 
I worked on Home Again with Lisa Wickham. Tatiana Ali was in that film, Lyric Bent, Fifi Dobson. That was my first hitch as a location scout. Is this another short film? Or? No, this is a full-length film. It's like an hour and a half? Yeah, maybe so. It's actually online now, but I'm, it's, it's more than an hour. When you say online, like Netflix? Or? It's on Netflix, it's on Amazon. And I'm not sure Netflix, but Amazon for sure. Okay. And a, a few others. So you could find the links on online as well. So Home Again was very successful. And that opened my mind to the location management aspect of filmmaking. Because I had done so much of it, but not realizing, hey, this is what you call location management. So we have to kind of classify the different things now in locally. So once you know, all right, they're filmmakers, but you know your expertise. So you might be great at film financing, but location management, you don't want to hear about that. You know, so everyone has to kind of find their niche and classify in what areas that they're an expert How in. How does location management work? Is it like you find a venue, set it up for production and yeah. then you set it up for each scene and all but of that? Each scene, you get the location, you, but the, the permits, the clearances, all the different lighting, many things you have to consider when doing locations. So it started off there and then it evolved now into the advertising and marketing agency because when the, what was it had happened here, but I'm not sure exactly what it was, but there's a travel advisory out on Trinidad and Tobago and that kind of limited the amount of people that were interested in coming to film here. So I had to start looking now at the local market, okay, ads and, and production for documentaries, local things that people wanted to do. So I've done a few commercials, radio jingles, producing that for the local market. And that is how Rollywood now is beginning to evolve, more helping with the advertising, marketing, public relations, corporate communications, even corporate social responsibility for companies. So Rollywood has now evolved from just a location management, that was my initial idea, to a marketing and advertising agency in many aspects. But then there's the multimedia side where we build websites, we, we do the whole development of that and creating every aspect of marketing that you would need but these websites are only for people looking to produce a film or they're for no, anybody, for anybody, a anybody who wants to do a website um, for your business whatever type of business we would do your website we would create your content for you so everything that you would expect a marketing company and an advertising agency to do all the different services we cover those and it's growing. The interest is there. And with more and more exposure about the projects that we're doing, people are seeing, yes, they're capable and entrusting us with more and more projects. Would you say it's a challenge in terms of the variety of things you all do at the same time, right? Because you know that there's a school of thought in business that says, listen, focus on one thing and, and go deep, get it, your one strong area and, and, and push it yeah, all the way out. Yeah, but then now you have to stay flexible and innovative because... I was just going to focus on location management and really market that aggressively and get more filmmakers to come to Trinidad. I'm doing this. I'm reaching out to my alumni, calling people, inviting them to come. So 2017 was a good year. In fact, the first project that Rollywood did was a corporate project for Bacardi called The Song of Rum mm. with Major Laser. So that was in December 2016. Then I went on to do Secrets of the Caribbean 
that's a travel digest. I filmed the pilot for that at US Virgin Islands. And then would you believe the storm that happened in 2017 devastated most of the islands that were carded to film. So that project didn't... Was it Maria? Yeah, Maria. Yeah, last year, September. I think just last week, you're trying to remember which storm that was. Yes, it ravaged (laughs) US Virgin Islands, Dominica, Puerto Rico, all these places that we were carded to go. So that project didn't get to the next level because... All our locations were wiped. So you have to stay flexible for real. You have to make yeah, sure you have to quickly. Exactly. So after that one, we did a Japanese TV show with Akim Stewart from Tobago, our Paralympic world champion. He has a full feature for the Japanese that for Paralympic Games that's going to happen there in 2020, 19 or 20, I believe. So we will start seeing more of that soon. So all of these local opportunities are just... This is international projects that are coming in. Forgive me. Yeah, this is international projects. But this is from aggressive marketing, from reaching out to people, you know, letting them know this is what we're doing. This is what I can offer. This is what I've done before. And just getting them on board. So the telemarketing really helped. Then after that project, we did the Google Virgin Airlines piece on um, mapping Tobago. That was really exciting. So that was for Google. Google actually did the mapping aspect of it, but the commercial was really for Virgin Airlines. So that went well. That was 2017 up till September. As the rainy season hit, the hurricane season, in fact, I'm telling myself, well, the year before it was a little slow during the hurricane season. After December 5th, it's going to pick back up. But after December 5th, nothing still happened. At that point, I'm like, okay, what's next? We have a successful half of the year. And then at at this point, I'm like, focus on the multimedia aspect. Um, Help people with their content. Help people make their dreams come true. Don't worry about everything that is not happening for you, but help the people who you can now influence and make things happen for them. So back to the social aspect. Well, the, the social aspect in one way, but then now other people who need corporate productions, gigs for commercials, voiceover, ads for radio. So I've started to produce all of those with my team. So the crew, they're fully capable. We can handle basically any type of production. So when it it was necessary to start hmm. moving. Yeah. So yes, you want to focus on location management, but then when the travel advisory happened and all those hurricanes that kind of deterred people and made them cancel their projects, at that point now, the innovations start again. Yeah. Okay, what do you do? We go to do the corporate ads, get into the marketing and advertising arena. And from there... I started to connect with Geta Chuya Zenga from Ethiopia. Yes, I wanted to get there. Yes, to do the our Ethiopia project. Can you say his name one more time? Geta Chuya Zenga was. Geta Chuya. Geta Chu. Geta Chu. Geta Chu. Geta Chu. So in Japanese, almost. Geta Chuya Wanga. Geta Chuya Zenga Wasi. Zenga Wasi. Yes, Zenga. Yes, Zenga Wasi. Well, we will meet him soon because they are hoping to come to Trinidad, um, get a Chuanya Tingrit. That's the production staff in Ethiopia. So they're doing corporate projects as well. So we're making some dinero on that end. But the hard project that we have is the our Ethiopia series. So get a true at that point. He's telling me, hey, you know, um, I need some resources to get the, the to film 
our Ethiopia, it's about the Natala Kuta, which is the headdress, the national headdress in Ethiopia. It's a nice kind of white linen material and it has the ice school and green on the on the edge. Really nice. So he's telling me all the different uses for the Natala Kuta and, and how fabulous this thing is. I'm like, yes, 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 I'm in. He's like, I'm going to put you on as producer of this. And this is what we were talking about since we started to work together. I'm like, yes, it's finally coming together. So I'm like, okay, well, here's what. We have to do turn this into a series now because I, I can't just do any I can't do anything with just one short film that is under five minutes. I need a series of films under five minutes. I said then I'm going to launch Hollywood TV with that project. And he's like, Yeah, that could work. So this is December 2017. We're having this conversation. I went off to help people with their other projects, movie tongue, um and um a couple others. Eventually, our Ethiopia started coming together. Water, Life Water came on next. And then we have The Pursuit of Play, Brothers, Big Lesson. So the story is coming together. So every month we, we did one until we now in post-production, culminating the entire series. And we hope to premiere in December. So that's the, our Ethiopia series. So you're you're flying across to Ethiopia eventually, to but they, they are very excited to come to to the Caribbean. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's the game plan with that? Is is it where's it going to be aired? What's the target it's, it's, market? The 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 target market is Pan African people. So this is global. Anyone with um with African diasporic heritage and want to know our true nature. I think should look at this film because it's going to take an interesting twist when we get to the end, because the series is just the platform. It, it's the, to propel us to what we really want to do with the, our Ethiopia series. So as we go along, I will tell you all more about it. It was filmed. It's filmed on location in Ethiopia and directed by Getachu and the associate producer. We have Yetingrit. So they're doing pretty well. And getting the projects out. And how you how you managed to get that link? That was a contact you had made before. Yes, yeah, along the way, them. along the way, you know, just meeting people who are passionate about film and just knowing what you wanted to do. When I was studying social work, you had to do an ethnography piece. And I was studying the Rastafari people, the Bovashanti tribe in um Tunapuna. So at this point I met Jean-Pierre Laveau. And he's telling me, you know, about different things that we could look at in terms of projects that they were interested in. And Ethiopia, Jamaica was coming to mind. But I'm like, here's what I really want to do something on on Rasta culture. But I don't want it to just be narrow where, you know, it's just a Rastafari audience we, we appeal to. I want to do something that is universally appealing. So he's like, okay, but it's going to take me a while to get to that point. And at that moment is when the scholarship came through. So that project went on hold. Well, that was just the ethnography for social work. But Getachu was doing a project on Rasta as well. So when I, I was Googling, or well, I think I was looking up on LinkedIn, 
And I saw him and I added him and we started to talk. And I'm like, tell me about this Rasta project that you're doing, do you, what, what you want to do. He's like, it's, it's about the repatriation of Rastafari to Ethiopia and the culture shock that they experience when they get to Shashamali and realize that they need to have a whole lot of documents to be considered for a work permit. So Shashamali is what? It's it's like a, a camp where most of the Rastafari people who repatriate go to. So it, it it's like a, a village setting. It's about 50 core families in Shashamali keeping it together there. Most of them Rastafari. Opportunities come from, from the most random yeah. places. Yeah. And um, so at that point, you know, I'm saying, here's what, I want to do a, a, a piece as well. And let's let's do this. I want you to come to Trinidad eventually and be the director for my project. And I'm going to help you produce yours. And I helped him with production that the, the Ethiopian version of the film is already done. And then he's going to come here to premiere the Our Ethiopia series and then carry on with the filming of the conclusion of that piece. So that will be a feature length but it's now more diverse than just the, the Rastafari community. You know, we, we really want to appeal to Pan-Africa and help black people all over the world understand our true heritage. So it's interesting how it's going to unfold. Yeah, that's really interesting. And you have the right avenue to get that without. I feel like that's the biggest... The biggest thing, I mean, a lot of people have little causes that they that they passionate about, or you know, yeah, um, have certain messages. They just feel like if they, if they have the opportunity, they would they would share. Yes, and I feel like you. I mean, apart from the funding challenges, you know, I feel like you're in the right space, and you seem to be passionate about the things you're engaging. It's beyond passion for me now. Yeah, yeah. This it's become my purpose. You know, when you sit down and look at the serendipity and. And it all added up. I couldn't just take it for granted anymore. Mm. I just went back and connected all the dots of things that I should have done along the way and just get all those things out of the way so that the platform will be smooth sailing. So where you see, I guess, yourself and the Rollywood brand primarily, where you see that taking off to in the next, you know, if, if, if everything mm. went... No, no, based on what you've said, it seems as though things just kind of... You look for opportunities as they come. You, you, you kind of move with the flow, you bob and weave, you know, as opposed to have, okay, this is my 10-year plan. I'm going to be at this level or with this amount yeah. of revenue and whatever. I'm but letting it happen organically, Yeah, you know, because I have a broad vision and I will stick with that. It's my purpose, but I'm not going to micromanage and over plan to, to the point that, you know, the bureaucracy keeps you down right. because you you want to stay on that format. The minutia of the details yes. and everything. So for me to remain innovative, I have to stay flexible and be able to, you know, when I spot the opportunities, take it. Because we had the Our Ethiopia series, you know, we already had two pieces and we were already shopping it around to the film festivals. And then Ethiopia and Eritrea made back and we're like, wow, this is the same thing that's happening in our story, brothers. Big lesson. And I'm like, wow, it's that's happening. Episode five and six. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, here's what we have to launch 
this our Ethiopia series, we have to make the public more aware of it. And just as we made that decision, the Silicon Valley Film Festival invited us. This African, yes, Af- Silicon Valley African Film Festival invited us to come on board. So that was our first screening. Actually, it was our second. The first screening was at the. Universal Kids Film Festival in Turkey on the 21st of September. And then we had the our Ethiopia screening at the Silicon Valley African Film Festival. I think it was the 3rd of October. Yeah. And next we have Life Water coming up at the Green Screen Film Festival here on the 31st of October. Yeah, that's in a couple of days at the green screen right here at IMAX. That's what's up. What's your process like though? How do you, how do you conceptualize or let's say how do you, I don't know, position yourself for these opportunities or is it that like you you get an idea of what sort of content you want to create or is it that you just produce what what comes to you and once it sounds good, you go ahead with that? For me, I want projects that are soulful, that could connect with people and find stories that would always resonate with people. So with Positive and Pregnant, making an impact like that with such dramatic acting kind of leaves so much expectation now that people want us to bring that drama to the rest of the Positive film series. So it's interesting to see how that will end. So the projects, they happen all kind of organically. Yeah, you have an idea of what we're going to do. So six years ago, when Geta Chu and I started talking, we had an idea of what we wanted to do. But the platform wasn't there. I couldn't even see at that point how I was going to even get Hollywood TV up, you know. And then it, it just started to unfold, you know, how everything is going to roll out. So having a broad vision is how I do it. And then when I see the opportunities come, then, yeah, I, I kind of jump on those. How much of your success do you calculate based on dollars versus based on impact and how you touch people's hearts and you nearly have me crying the other night? Uh, <laughs> I would say 90% social impact, 10% money. Yeah. The social value, I think, it, connecting with real people and touching their lives is really the mandate. The money will come, the resources will come, everything else will fall into place because when you have people's heart, you know, then we have them as our fans forever loving our work and they will support us. So eventually, they will subscribe to Rollywood TV to see the full features, see more and we will then have more resources to make more and more film. And that is what it's about, you know. It's not about a get-rich-quick scheme. It's about delivering content that could resonate with people, touch their lives, and then have them always coming back for more and telling us now what they want, what they expect us to continue to create for them. Just a question on the um, the destination management type thing. I mean, I know InvestTT, they have a, a film and, and creative industry kind of approach. Do they help or partner with you guys in terms of... Um, is there a partnership you all will try to forge with I them already? I have met with, with um, Christopher Lewis, Flo, Florence Ghani, and Mr. Um, Shamalaya, I think is his name. Chandradat. Yeah. From, um, from Invest TT. Listen, you're really good at pronouncing long names, you know. 
yeah. And she remembers everybody's name. Now I guess I remember relations background. Yeah. yeah every single be. story she gives. She said, I met with Mr. So and so and Mrs. So and so. Everybody. Like I, I do that. I don't know if I could do that with my um my you know. And I, sometimes I still forget and then I'm like, Oh gosh, I forget this yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. You know, because everybody opened a door everybody came with a key and opened the door and say here's what have a seat sit down eat hmm. and we got the resources that we needed to get projects done and people do it for thanks so just to mention their names and to acknowledge that we remember what they've done hmm. it means everything to me to show that appreciation and gratitude all the time you know, but InvestTT is very much interested in what we're doing and they believe that we can diversify the economy with the creative industries. But we have to convince them as creatives that we are coming together, that we are mobilizing. And now that we have people who don't even consider themselves creative in terms of making a film, but creative mentally. So you may not, you might say, oh, I can't do that art. And you think that that is creativity. But now having that creative innovation process happening where now finance people meeting with the film people and the insurance people meeting with the film people and now these are the, the the inroads that we have to start making when they see that hey, hey, these young people getting serious now they know what they want they're mobilizing the troops on their own only thing we have to do now is clear the way for them so with the song stage that InvestTT is hoping to build, let's help them find investors to get it going. Because once we get that song stage up, we have so many scripts here. Everybody I talk to and their grandmother is a writer with scripts, with stories that is ready to be adapted into screenplays that ready for literary approval. And once we have that and we have many of it we could then approach the hulus the amazons the netflix all the online platforms or we could create our own platform rollywood tv okay. run in place and yeah, well listen on her webs on rollywood website you have to subscribe and think to get the content you know so right. if you want to watch our ethiopia so yeah you have to subscribe and yeah. and pay uh, either 13 us a year or, or 199 per month yeah and and eventually we'll have more and more content because we have filmmakers every day calling and saying, hey, I want to put up my stuff on Rollywood TV. So eventually we will get more and more content and it will grow as we grow. But in terms of really mobilizing our production skills in Trinidad and Tobago, it's possible. The soundstage is one aspect. We have people who were disheartened about working in Trinidad, ready to come back home to get things going with the soundstage. So once InvestTT calls back and say, yes, come on, come on board. Help us get the funding. Help us get the resources. Help us bring the people together. I am there, you know, because I could do Rollywood and, and feed my family. But then if we do this on a national to a regional level, we could then make a lot of inroads where creative people get the meaningful work that they, they're looking for, that they desire and not having to just sit down in a linear job that they have to do to pay the bills, but really harness their whole creative, their whole creative skill. We were having a discussion before this interview 
about sports and the challenges that, especially some of the lesser known sports facing in Trinidad, but just sports in general, from the mismanagement to the lack of public interest or awareness, from difficulty getting corporate buy-in in terms of the the local industry of sports and what it could mean, different leagues we have, etc. And I feel like the challenge is similar for, for I feel like yours, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I also had a, a stint in, in, in local music as well. We had a company that did some local music gigs and stuff. And I mean, it was all underground, you know? We, we pushed it, we, we were there, we were pushing it. And everybody's passionate. But once you get past the, let's say, I don't know, 200 people that involved, nobody has cared now, you know? Yeah. So, and then, so you're talking about these projects and I'm, I I live in Trinidad. I, I haven't heard about somebody work, you know, until I met you or met, okay, you told me about this. I didn't even know that your film existed, you know? So we assume that people don't care because we're not reaching them. So the, the normal creative pool that we have, the 200 well-recognized, the 200 to 1500 well-recognized artists, filmmakers, musicians that we know, we just naturally gravitate to them. But then they're the ones who we are not aware of, who don't have the marketing reach, who don't have the social media reach but want to make the inroads and want to meet other filmmakers now to get it going. These are the people that we have to mobilize to make it happen. We can't just go along with the the regular usual suspects and think that we're going to have a breakthrough. A breakthrough is seeing finance people saying, yeah, y'all need our help. We're here. So when I saw Basudi coming together with real financial backing, home again with international backing, getting somewhere, but it's too few and far between to become a sustainable industry. And that is what is the deterrent to investors that we're not turning out enough. So we need to have more of the work publicized, the small films that never make it to the film festival but that's what i said so like so for example you have a lot of work being produced and i feel like only both music and film so i'm comparing to my experience in the music in the underground in the music industry only underground players yeah. know the music underground players make yeah. so you know maybe it could be that only people in film in Trinidad who, who actively passionate about building it would be ones to know that okay these films coming out but some of them still don't know well, look at that but the challenge is for the average general citizen right population the masses or whatever how or why is it that they're not being reached like, what's the gap between because you're right here I mean I live two minutes from you but nobody knows you know one last thing on that I feel like also the culture of Trinidad is a very out in as opposed to in and Yeah, and like we, we accept when, okay, foreigns say they're good, they're good. But Trinidad don't realize that we are the testing ground for a lot of products and services and everything else. When they come and they test in Trinidad, once you could get past a Trini audience, you could get past anywhere. Because we're a tough audience. So it's not that, that it's not happening. It's that we're not marketing enough. Or the success of Positive and Pregnant was because of marketing. It wasn't because of the film is so great. There are lots of great films that just remain on the shelf because it wasn't properly marketed. If we could do more for marketing with the male perspective, that's part two and Born Free, the children's story. If we could do more for marketing, the, the marketing budget should be three times the production budget. If we really want to make an impact... You know, so 
the outreach programs too necessary to go into the communities meeting people where they are the social media approach as well you know we have to go and market to people where they are so if it's like going into a remote village to meet people there because they have no real access to social media because they don't care about that we go there and we meet them but then there's the social media audience that's there that we have to meet as well. So we have to find ways of connecting all the audiences now to be able to start the awareness. Yeah, I guess the challenge is real, but nothing great comes easy, right? So right. I really I really wish you guys and your mission and your vision the best. Thank you. I think it's noble. So, you know, keep it going, man. So anybody who wants to start off their own production company, they, they will cut out for them. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work, you know, but I believe that the Caribbean is the missing link to solve the world's diversity challenges. The universe is clamoring for, um, we want more diversity in film and television. We need that diversity. But without the Caribbean present, without Africa present, with all the beautiful people in the world present and just one type of person on TV, where is diversity? We have to now create the mediums where people could now see themselves on television, see themselves online, see themselves on that big screen to know that diversity really exists. Because for us, it's just a dream. And we are that missing link to diversity. So until we get in the game as a major player, the world will always lack diversity. We'll say, I can't think of a better place to rap. Hmm. Candice, where can we find you? At Candice Leela on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as C A N D I C E L E L A, and D I as in diversity. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. And yeah, I'm on all social media, Candice Leela. And let's see, you can always call me at 868 Okay. And my website, it's rollywood.tv, rollywood.film, and rollywood.domains. So you can check out all our products and services there and see how we could help you with your next advertising campaign, apart from just our local projects that we're doing, the heart projects, we call them. You know, the advertising work is what pays the bills and that's what keeps us going. So we're able to fund some of the projects out of pocket because of that commercial work. So sometimes they're like, mm, we can't really sponsor your program. We can't sponsor you with the positive film series that's going to come out soon. But here's what, we could give you the work because I need a marketing campaign. I need a jingle. And with that, we pay our tithes by investing on our own projects. Excellent. So we covered a lot Today. Thanks, thank you, thank you, Kevin. Thanks for having else you want me. To say? I know, I know, you have a lot to say. I, I, I think I've covered most of it, you know. So I'm just really thrilled that you invited me. Thanks for having me. And just one last question. I mean, based on your personal experience in business, in in, in pursuing your projects, what advice would you give a young person? Is it you back back in you know at 16, curious? You have a creative spirit. You know you don't want to go and work in. You know what, what advice you would give? Just a, a, just a close off. Yeah, for somebody looking to start. It off sounds really cliche, but again, goosebumps. Eh? Be believing in yourself, believing in your dream, is the most important thing. Nobody else has to believe in it. As long as you fully believe and feel that this is my purpose, go for it. It could be what. 
whatever it is. It just take the risk and jump in. Do it with your heart. Find that alignment between your heart and your mind and know that you're making the right decision. For me, I can't make decisions with my heart because it will send me astray. But when I'm like with my mind, I'm just too ruthless. But when it's right between my heart and my mind and that perfect alignment, the universe just takes it beyond my expectations. So at that point, just believing in it is all that's necessary and just having the faith knowing that every day, Doing something towards that goal, towards that dream will get you there and never giving up and always finding a way around it. No matter what challenge, take the challenges like with a smile because that is where the innovation process happens through the challenges. Now, when you have to work through a dynamic challenge to find a solution, that is where innovation happens. Podcast will, there you have it, social innovation at its finest. Subscribe to Caribbean Power Lunch at caribbeanpowerlunch.com slash subscribe. Check us out on CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And with that, thank you, Candice. Thank you, OC. Thanks, thanks to you, problem, Thank you, Damien, for the rum. <laughs> Podcast World, Cabin Studios, we are out. <laughs>